Well, good morning, Pinion Hills Community Church. How are we feeling today? Yeah. Feeling good, good. By a raise of hands, who came and participated in the One Church Night of Worship last Sunday? Wasn't it awesome? There's some people that have their two hands up in there. You're like, I just could put my hands in the air like I don't care. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Last year for our Night of Worship, we had nine, 997 people that came. This year we had 1325. So we're seeing more and more people that are being a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. 32% increase. We have more pastors, more Christians, more leaders, more of our community that's participating, so I'm really, really exciting. We also made an announcement during the night of, of worship that we're going to have our first ever serve day, combining all the 16 churches so far that are participating, and we're inviting dozens of more churches. So let's come together and serve our community in the name of Jesus all at the same time. So the date that we've identified is April 4th, 2020. If you haven't already put it on your calendar, that's 4420. Put it on your calendar, and we're going to have a fantastic time joining together. We're praying and hoping for over a thousand volunteers to converge upon the Civic Center in downtown Farmington and then break out, divide and conquer from there and go serve people in the name of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you will choose to join us in the new year. In fact, out in the bookstore, you probably will see these shirts over there. It says, Serve One Church. Uh, this is our official Serve Day shirt. We are hoping that each person that's going to serve will buy one of these shirts. It's only 10 bucks in the bookstore. But the proceeds, the profit from that, will go to fund the supplies that we have for Serve Day 2020. 20. So if you haven't marked your calendar, mark your calendar. If you haven't bought a shirt yet, buy your shirt so you can be a part of it. Uh, and for those of you who missed out on the night of worship last week, I'm sorry that you missed out. It was a fantastic time. You didn't, didn't just miss out the fantastic time or the announcement, but you also missed out on this uh, traffic jam. Check out this picture of the traffic jam leaving. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Well, I, that wasn't actually a picture from McGee Park, but it felt like that for many people. People were stuck in traffic for 30 to 40 minutes leaving because there was one entrance and one exit. Eventually, the police showed up to get direct traffic and get people out of there. But while people were sitting in this traffic jam, one of my buddies, I'll just leave him anonymous. I'll call him Eddie G. He sent me this text message. He said, one church was amazing, but this one exit will make you question your faith. <laughs> So funny. I was going to go to Eddie G and ask him if he would handle all of our traffic concerns next year for our night of worship, but I don't even know if he's a Christian anymore, so I don't, I don't think I'm going to plan on doing that. But anyway, so we're excited for what God's doing in our community and what God has in store for us in 2020. But for right now, we are jumping back into our series called All In. Everybody say All In. So far, what we've been talking about is how there's perks and there's benefits to being all in. I saw a news story just last week. There's a kid from the University of Nevada who was given the opportunity to make a half-court basketball shot during halftime of a basketball game, and during, during this basketball game, and, and if he made it, if he made the basket all in, then he would get free tuition for a year. Check out this video. A little trivia fact about myself, about Matt Mizell. I used to be the guy in the mascot when I was in high school. I used to be the guy in the big bear costume. Anyway, this guy gets free tuition for a year. It's amazing. It's a good thing I didn't get that opportunity because I would have been like double or nothing. Let's do this again. Maybe give me two years of tuition. Anyway, so in the last couple of weeks as we've been in this series, we haven't been talking about free tuition. We've been talking about what are the perks and benefits when you're all in for God, when you're all in in your relationship. Because Jesus says, I, I would rather you be all in or all out. Don't be 
in the middle. Don't be lukewarm. Be in or out. You make your choice, but my preference is that you choose to be all in. Our theme verse throughout this series is Matthew 22, 37, when Jesus says this. He says, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, I would suggest making this one of those verses that you commit to memory. Make this one of those verses that you memorize. Now, I'm not an advocate for just memorizing scripture for the sake of memorizing scripture to check the box and you're a good Christian because you memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. I'm not saying that, but if there are verses that, that stand out to you, that you can apply to your life, that mean something to you, I would commit those things to memory. And this is one of those verses, Matthew 22, 37, in my opinion, applies to every one of us. Because it's a reminder that, that Jesus isn't just interested in, in this part of your life, or just this part of your life, or just this section of your life. He wants all of you. And if that's the case, if he wants all of us, then we have to be very careful and cautious with what we allow into our heart and mind and soul. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Are you, are you being careful with what you're putting into your heart and your mind and your soul? If you're taking notes, you can write this down. People who are all in are careful what they allow in. People who are all in are careful with what they allow in, specifically into their mind, into their eyes, into their heart. What are you allowing into your heart? Jesus says it this way, Matthew 6, 21. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Greek language in which this was originally written, that word treasure, comes from the word thesauros. Thesauros means storehouse. It's also where we get the word thesaurus. A thesaurus is considered to be like a storehouse, a book of all sorts of different words describing other words. That's what a thesauros is. A thesaurus is a storehouse. Jesus is making the point, what are you putting in your storehouse? What are you storing up? Because whatever it is that you're storing up, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your affection, your adoration, that's where your devotion is going to be based on whatever it is that you're storing up for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Which leads to this question, perhaps that you don't want to ask yourself, but ask yourself this question anyways. What do I treasure? What do you treasure? Because Jesus says, whatever you use you treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. So the question is, what, what are you treasuring? What do you really value? What are you in love with, so to speak? Because that's where your heart is. Perhaps it's physical things. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your clothes. Maybe it's your hats. Maybe it's your jackets. Maybe it's your shoes. Ladies, come on. You know it's your shoes. <laughs> what is it that you treasure? Maybe it's not physical things. Maybe, maybe it's uh, intangible things. Maybe it's things like quality time or compliments or memories. What is it that you treasure? Now, no matter what it is that you treasure, no matter what you find value in, let me caution you with, with one of the mistakes people oftentimes make when it comes to treasuring things. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Resist the temptation to treasure treasure. Now, that's not a mistake on the screen. Resist the temptation to treasure treasure. Don't treasure your stuff. Now, here's what I mean by that. If you, if you focus more on your money or your things than God, that becomes a problem. If you're treasuring your stuff more than God, that's problematic. If you pursue money more than God, your money becomes a problem. If you love money more than God, your money has become a problem. Look at what Paul says to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6.10. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He's saying it's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that, that is the root of evil. Now, why is it at the root of evil? He continues on, verse 10. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from their faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. 
Now this, this makes sense because if somebody wants to honor God, they want to be all in for God, but then they fall in love with their money and they start having faith in their money. They start wandering away from their faith in God and putting their faith instead in, in their money, their finances, and their stuff. And all of a sudden they're, they're prioritizing, they're elevating the priority of those things as opposed to where they're at with God. So they're wandering away from their faith from God because they're placing their faith in their money instead, which becomes an idol that turns into idolatry when they're, they're choosing to, to love God, pursue God, focus on or pursue those other things more so than, than God. And sometimes, quite frankly, this can happen without us even knowing it. We can wander from our faith away from God and fall more in love with our things, our finances and money, without even understanding it's happening. I remember when I was a freshman in college at the University of New Mexico, everybody's a lobo, woof, woof, woof. No? Nobody? Thank you. One person. <laughs> One person is a lobo. Thank you over there. Uh, so, so when I was a freshman at the University of New Mexico, uh, I remember freshman orientation day. They had booths all over UNM, and it was extracurricular activities. You could sign up for this or this or this, and you could sign up for whatever you wanted to. But mixed in with that, they had credit card tables set up. And they were trying to convince new college students to sign up for a new credit card. So I went to this credit card booth, and they said, we'll give you a free water bottle if you fill out an application. And I'm like, ah, I'll see what I can get over here. So I go to this guy. They'll, they'll give me a free T-shirt if I sign up for, for a credit card over here. So I go over here. They'll give you a free keychain. So I go from booth to booth trying to shop around what's the best offer. I go to one guy. And it's at the Citibank uh, tab table. And I said, what are you willing to offer me if I sign up for a credit card? He said, what have you been offered so far? He said, I got a water bottle. I got a T-shirt. I got a keychain offer, what are you going to do? He said, I'll give you all three. I said, ooh, sign me up. So I signed up for a, a credit card. Two weeks later, that credit card shows up in the mail, and it's brand new, shiny blue, and I was like, yeah, I'm big pimping, spending G's. I could go around and buy whatever I want. I called my buddy Chris. I was like, Chris, let's go to Cottonwood Mall on the west side of Albuquerque. What side? We went, to, we went to the mall together, and we showed up, and I was like, dude, I could buy anything I want, as long as it's under $2,000, because that's my credit limit. But I could buy anything that I want. What should I get? He's like, what about this? And I was like, nah, I don't want that. What about this? No, I don't want that. What about this? And so we're going around through this mall trying to figure out what do I want to buy because I got freedom, financial freedom with my credit card, brand new shiny blue credit card. And I show up to this shoe display, which is like my Achilles heel. I'm Superman. <laughs> so I show up to, to this shoe display, and at the very top of the display was a pair of boots. And I nudged my buddy. I was like, Chris, dude, look, I want those boots. He's like, nah, man, you need those boots. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 there's a difference, Chris, between wants and needs. I don't, I don't need those boots. I want those boots. He's like, no, you need those boots. And I was like, you know, I think you're right, Chris. I think I, I, think I do need them. So I, I called over the clerk. I was like, hey, can you get me size 10 for these boots? And so she brings out size 10, and I put those boots on. And I could have sworn those boots started whispering to me. They said, Matthew. And I said, yeah, baby. And the booth said, these boots are made for walking. <laughs> and I said, and that's just what I'll do. And then the boots said back, one of these days these boots are going to walk all around with you. And I was like, yeah, I need these boots. I do need them. They love me. And so I, I boxed up the boots. I took them to the clerk. I was like, ring me up for, the, for, for these boots. So I swiped my credit card. I take that back. I didn't even swipe it. I just did the little machine. You, go, you know that machine? For those of you who are 20 years and younger, you have no idea what that sound effect means. You don't even know what this motion means. But for the rest of you, you know. 
they, they did my little credit card thing, and I signed the little yellow receipt, and I got to walk out with my boots that were made for walking. In my, my mind, I was like, okay, the 20, $120 that I spent on these boots, they were Doc Martens. Perhaps you have a pair of Docs somewhere at home buried in the closet. Maybe you're wearing them right now. <laughs> Loser. Anyway, so... <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. So as I'm walking away from the mall, I got these boots and I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay off my boots in two weeks from now when I get paid because my paycheck's coming out and I'm going to be able to pay off the entire $120. So I go onto the internet to film myself a profile for my brand new shiny blue credit card, sign up and, and I'm logging onto the internet. It's the... That's my modem sound, right? The AOL. <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> so I log on and I create a profile for my credit card. And something interesting happened because on the screen, it said $120 for these boots. But it also said, I don't have to pay the $120 right now. All I got to do is pay what they said, a minimum payment. I was like, I didn't know there was such thing as a minimum payment. I don't have to pay 120. All I got to do is pay 12. This is awesome. I didn't know this little thing called interest, nor did I know that I had an APR of 24% with my first credit card. <laughs> I didn't know any of that. I was like, all I got to do, who in their right mind wouldn't pay the minimum payment allowed? Why would I pay 120 when I can just pay 12? I'm going to keep paying 12 for the rest of my life. I'm going to do that. So I started paying $12 a month. And then I was like, well, this is awesome. I can just buy stuff and then I could pay like, 10% of what it's worth on my credit card, so I'm going to buy this and this and this, and I keep adding, adding on more, more things. And I've, I've done the math. I initially planned on paying off my boots in two weeks. You know how long it took me to actually pay them off? <laughs> Don't judge me. Six years. It took me six years to pay off that pair of boots that I just knew had to go walking with me. I was walking in debt for six years because of those boots. Now, here's the tragedy. I know that that's not just me because there's many other people. Perhaps you're like, oh, I need those boots. I need this car. I need this blah, blah, blah. I need whatever it is. And you convince yourself that you need something oftentimes and you didn't even know it existed right before you saw it. You're walking through the store and you're like, oh, I need this. Do you really need it? Because you didn't know it existed 30 seconds ago. Do you really need something like the guy in this video? Check it out. I have never been more entertained in my life with the most boring and mundane tasks of folding t-shirts. I bought this thing online. It's like a t-shirt folder device. This is so fun. So you put the t-shirt on here, you line the top up, you fold the overhang like this, and then all you do is go boosh, boosh, boosh. Oh, oh, look how neatly it's folded. And then I put it in my pile. Look what I've been doing. Oh my God. And then they go here in my little wardrobe, super neatly. I can't tell you, this has been the most fun I've ever had. This is like one of the single greatest moments in my life. Oh, look at it! <laughs> of that video, I guarantee somebody in this room while that was playing, you nudged your spouse, you're like, honey, I need one of those. <laughs> Some of you are on Amazon right now on your device, you're like, I'm looking up to see where I can buy one of those things. <laughs> and you need it, you didn't even know it existed 62 seconds ago. You didn't even know that that contraption existed. Now all of a sudden you need it. You see, oftentimes this is how we get into trouble. It's not, the, it's not money in itself that leads us to problems, it's the love of money, it's the emotional connection that we have to credit cards or to buying things that perhaps we don't necessarily necessarily need. In fact, many people are affected by this. Look, let's look at some of the statistics regarding debt in our, in our country. In 
2017, the average credit card debt for the average credit card holder was $6,354. That's average. That means there's people that are less than that, but people well over that as well. In 2019, the total credit card debt in the United States reached over $1 trillion. That's the one with a lot of zeros after it. That's a lot of debt. And the reason why we keep getting in more and more debt as a nation is because each month, 43% of Americans spend more money than they receive. 43%. In the United States, there's 327 million Americans. 43% of 327 million is 140 million Americans. 140 million people throughout the United States spend more money than they receive every single month. And it creates this snowball of debt that that's not God's plan for us. That never was God's plan for us for how we deal with our money and our finances. Look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 22.7. He says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. When you wind up getting yourself into debt with the idea of, oh, this credit card is going to give me financial freedom, that I can do whatever I want. The irony is that it doesn't give you freedom at all. It's like a ball and chain that you drag around with you. Now you've got all this debt, and it's so hard and difficult to get out of. Now, let me, let me say this. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that having debt is a sin. Sometimes people buy things that they can't afford. Sometimes people get into a tragedy or there's an accident and they wind up bankrupt or they wind up finding themselves in debt because of things that are not their decision. So the Bible doesn't talk about being, uh, that, that debt is a sin, but it, what it does talk about, and what, is, what Jesus is specific about, is, is that it's not wise to buy things that you can't afford with money that you don't have. Look at this story that he tells, that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, 28. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Now notice he says wants and not needs. Jesus cares about what we want. It's not just all about needs. He also cares about what we want. There is a difference between, between needs and wants. But he's saying if you want a tower, what's your first move? He continues on. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? He's making the point, if you want something, ask yourself, can I afford whatever it is that I want? Now, to be honest with you, most people don't listen to that advice. At least 43% of the United States, 140 million Americans don't listen to this advice because they're spending more money than what they have. He's saying, if you want something, ask yourself, can I afford this? Now, most people, they bypass that question altogether. They want something, so then they buy it, and then later on, they try to figure out, how can I pay for it? That's backwards thinking. Jesus says, he says, first, your first move, you want something, your first move is to sit, sit down and ask yourself, can I afford it? And friends, that's what people who are all in with Jesus do. They ask themselves, can I afford this before they actually buy it? Now, there are some reasons why he continues on talking about this in verse 29. Jesus says, for if you lay the foundation of the tower and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees the foundation will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now that's a scenario of, of debt that's a public thing. But in most of our cases, our debt is private and people don't know about it. But Jesus is making the point, you don't want to be the brunt of the joke. You don't want to be ridiculed. And maybe you're not being made the brunt of the joke. Maybe you're not being ridiculed. But you feel the weight of your debt on your shoulders. And you know this is not what God has for you. This can't be God's plan for you. What is God's plan for you? If you're taking notes, write this down. Don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have. Let me say it again. 
Don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have. Let me say it again. Don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have. Let me say it again. Don't buy things you can't afford with money you don't have. Millions of Americans every single day are buying things that they can't afford with money that they don't have. And they trick themselves. They trick themselves. The Black Friday deal comes out. and they're, Oh, killer deals are coming out. It's going to be the, the best thing. I, I'm tracking all the deals. And I'm going to go to this store and this store and this store. And they're, they're going to all the stores. And, and again, the sales are not necessarily bad, but, but sometimes these sales get into our mind. And, and maybe perhaps you've been a part of this or you've seen this or you've, you know somebody who's gone through this. They go through to Sam's Club and they get a 75-inch TV and they waddle home like a penguin. They're like, check out what I got. I saved $200 on this 75-inch flat-screen TV. No, you didn't. You spent 750 bucks. <laughs> you didn't save a penny. Now, maybe it was worth 950 and they discounted it to 750 but you didn't save any. You still spent $750. Now, the only way that you are actually saving money is that if you put money away and say, okay, someday I want to buy myself a 75-inch flat-screen TV, so I'm going, to, I'm going to put away $950, and every paycheck I'm going to put money away, and I'm saving that money, and then it goes on sale, and you buy it for $750. You've got $200 left in your bank. Now you've saved money, but you're not saving anything. If you see a sale, and you impulse buy it, and you have haven't planned for it and you haven't budgeted for it, you're not saving anything. You're spending money, perhaps that you can't afford on things that you don't necessarily even need with money you don't have. You see, there's a difference in scenarios. If you save your money, if you're actually saving, that's one thing. But if you're just going out and buying this and buying this and all of a sudden these, these needs are coming up and things that you didn't even know existed, oftentimes this is how people get into debt. This is how 43% of the United States has gotten themselves into over $1 trillion worth of debt. Because they're convincing themselves, I gotta buy this, I gotta save myself some money, even though they're not saving themselves anything. That's why we are pushing so hard, and we've been pushing so hard throughout the series of this Financial Peace University class that we have coming up this coming Wednesday. It's FPU, it's a crash course, it's a three hour course. 6.30 to 9.30. And, and we're trying to do everything we can to get as many people in there as possible. If you're tight on your paycheck, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if your finances are tight, this is a class for you. And there's no judgment. There's no judgment at all. This is something that will be helpful and beneficial for you. We want to add value to you. Perhaps you should consider coming this coming Wednesday. To give you a kind of an idea of what to expect, check out this promo video. So you're probably living paycheck to paycheck. And maybe you can't pay off those credit cards. And you know that car payment isn't going away. This is normal. I want this year to be the best financial year you've ever had. And all you have to do is make a decision. People that retire wealthy, it wasn't an accident. What is it that you can do to become better? To take your life more seriously? start to do the right things over time and you keep focused, I know you can build wealth. You have to know how to get from here to that dream. You can change your future. And this event will show you how. Game on, baby. 
it's game on, baby. <laughs> we are hoping, we are hoping that many people join. We, we have, uh, before services started this morning, we had 144 people already signed up and registered for FPU this coming Wednesday, but we're hoping for double, if not triple that, because we realize that people oftentimes get, get emotionally connected to their things or their credit cards, and we want to help you have a plan and help train you and equip you to do things God's way. So again, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, if you're, you're tight on your finances, if you don't know where money's going to come from next week or next month, if you're one of those people that says, I, I can't give to the things of God because I'm so strapped financially, like I, perhaps I would give if I got a raise, but right now I can't give because I don't have enough money. If, if you're in any one of those categories, I would encourage you to show up and register. When you're leaving here today, there's several computers that you can sign up and register at, and, and you, can, you can join us this coming Wednesday. Child care is provided. It's free to you. You can make up all the excuses you want, but I'm just telling you, it could potentially be life changing for you. And I don't just say that because I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to say things like that. I say that because it's changed my life. When my wife and I moved out to California, things were tight financially. We were part of the 43% spending more money every month than what we actually brought in. So I remember we were, we were trying to figure out what, what, what class can we get involved in. We wanted to do a Bible study as a married couple. And so there was two classes. There was Financial Peace University and a marriage enrichment class. So we decided, let's sign up for the marriage enrichment class. And so we decided we were going to do that. But the day that both classes were launching, both of us felt like we shouldn't be in the marriage enrichment one. Our finances are really tight. We need to be in financial peace instead. So we canceled one class, registered for the other one, and wouldn't you know it, we still had enrichment for our marriage in FPU because it aligned us to have the same idea as far as what our money was going to be used for. The number one reason for divorce is finances. So perhaps you need to be on the same page. Perhaps you need to be in alignment. And even if not, even if you are on the same page, it can be potentially life-changing for you to be on the same page with your finances. I would encourage you to do that. Why? Because I want to be somebody who's all, all in for God. And I want you to be somebody who is all in for God. But at the same time, I want our entire organization to be all in for God. You know, when we come here to a beautiful location like this, it's awesome. Pinion Hills Community Church has a huge facility, and it's beautiful, and lives are being changed here, and it's amazing that in Farmington, New Mexico, an organization like this exists. But I'll tell you that it doesn't just happen. People back from 2008 forward started giving, and they started being very generous to help this building you know, be constructed and, and start, start going up. And, and then in 2010, it was completed, and then we added on the student center and the academy, and lives are being changed, and more people are hearing the good news and the message of the gospel. But the truth is, this facility is not paid off either. Our overall organization, we have some debt because we haven't paid it all off yet. Now, not everybody is aware of that, but I'll tell you what our debt is. I have nothing to, 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 be, uh, to, holding, to hold from you. I want transparency. I want openness. So here's the number. It's going to sound like a big number, but I'll tell you what it is. We have $8 million worth of debt. $8 million. Now, now, that sounds like a big number because it is a big number, but let me, let me preface that with the fact that if you look at all of our assets that we have as an organization, it's over $20 million in, in combined assets. So $20 million combined as far as what we have, that, all the value of everything, so we have less than half of that to pay off. We've been paying off every year, every month, paying down that debt. But even though we've been paying it off consistently, it drives me crazy that we have any debt at all. So... I want our entire organization to be debt-free because just to pay that $8 million down every single month, it costs us $45,000 a month to pay off that debt. Now, that being said, here's the good news. Two things of good news. Number one, we haven't added a dime to that debt in the last 16 months since I've been here. We're not adding more debt on top of debt. Thank you. And number two... 
God is working in this church. God is working. I mean, when I got here July 22nd, the average attendance was around 800 or so. Last week, we had 1,420 people come to this campus. That's 620 more people. Yeah. Our children's ministry sees over 300 kids every single weekend. Our student ministry has well over 100 kids, 100 students hearing the message of the gospel every single weekend. Our men's and women's ministries, both, both of those ministries are, have record attendance in various events that they've done throughout the last 16 months. Our one church network of churches, like, like I talked about earlier, we had 997 for the night of worship last year, 1325. We're seeing, we're seeing a positive increase. We're seeing more buzz, more excitement. We, friends, as Pinion Hills Community Church, we're making a difference in this community in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be a part of it. I'm thankful you're a part of it. But at the same time, I'll be honest with you. Even though we have all these good things, we baptized over 120 people in the last 16 months. Even though we have a lot of wins that we could point back to God, at the same time, there's oftentimes I lay awake at night looking at my ceiling fan, going in a circle, wondering what would it be like if we didn't have $45,000 a month to pay off? What would it be like if we were able to slaughter this debt monster and take that $45,000 that's paying down principal and interest right now, and what if we were to, to be more generous with our ministries? We're already seeing record attendance in the students and the children. What if, what if we gave them more of a budget and had, they had a healthier budget to deal with in the student ministry, the children's, the men's, the women's, the celebrate recovery, all the different things that we have? What if, what if we were able to give them more and be more generous? And not only for our congregation, what if we were to take more and impact the kingdom by, by sponsoring more missionaries and making a difference in our community throughout San Juan College? I want to be an organization that's more and more generous to our community. And that $45,000 a month will go a long way to make that a reality. So I'm committed. I'm committed to do everything we possibly can to kill off this debt monster. As we head into 2020, we're starting a brand new series called 2020 Vision. And I'm excited for what that means, the clarity regarding that vision as far as why we exist as an organization. And I'm excited for us to go on this journey together. But this is something that I don't want just for our organization. I want it for you and I as well. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9.6. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. I want to be an individual and I want to be a part of an organization that sows generously. And trust God that he's going to multiply whatever our efforts are, bigger and better than whatever we could dream with. And that's not to imply that that hasn't happened in the past. I'm just saying, with $8 million of debt, I want to kill that debt off. I want to do everything we can to be even more generous than what we've been in the past. And I don't want that just for the church. I want that for me. I want that for you. Look at what Paul says in the very next verse, verse 7. He says, each of you should give. Now it's no longer just the church. Each of you, every one of us should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We should all give. Now you might be, if you're tracking with me this morning, you might be thinking, well, mate, wait, Matt, are you contradicting yourself? Because you just said don't spend money on things you can't afford to buy things that you, you, you can't necessarily afford with money you don't have. Are, now you're talking about giving. Are you contradicting yourself? Because I don't have money to give. Well, God set us up in such a way where if we are honoring God with our finances, we'll have extra to be able to be generous with other people. He's designed us to be generous. In fact, if you just look at those two verses, or look at the second half of verse 7. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For why? God loves a what? Cheerful giver. God has designed us to have joy when we're generous. 
He's designed us to have cheer in our hearts, to, to be a cheerful giver. Now, how in the world can you be a cheerful giver? Not giving out of uh, obligation or giving because you feel like you have to, and that's what Christians are supposed to do. How do you get to the point where in your heart you really are like, I get to do this. I want to be generous. How you get there is that you start trusting God today with every area of your life. Not just this section, nor this section, or this section. You say, God, here's my whole life, including my finances. Especially my finances. May your will be done. Are you all in with, with all of your life, including your finances? And if you are, are you willing to back up what you say with your actions? There's three ways that you can be somebody who's a giver. Number one, give generously. Number two, give willingly. And number three, give cheerfully. That is possible for every single person in this room to give, not reluctantly, but give generously and cheerfully. But people who are all in, this is a final fill in in your notes, people who are all in prove that they love God more than money. Could that be said about you? Or if you were to be taken to a court of law, would they find that you were guilty of loving your stuff more than God? Honoring your things more than God. Treasuring your treasure more than you treasure God. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends, I want to encourage you. I want to be encouraging to you to be all in. To say, God, you've given me everything that I've got. I want to give you everything that you ask for. I want to live my life in such a way where I'm all in with you. I'm not holding anything back. I'm trusting you with everything, especially when it comes to our finances. Because you will be blessed. You can become a cheerful giver when you have looked at your finances in such a way where you have more to be able to be generous and you can impact other people, you can serve other people, and you can do so willingly and with a cheerful heart. You will be blessed because of that. That is my hope for you. That's my hope for me, and that is my hope for this entire organization. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not willing to do, and I'm not asking you to do anything that this entire organization is not willing to do. Are you willing to be all in with all of you, with all of what God has entrusted to you? I hope and pray that you will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this group of people, and I thank you for the fact that you give to us all the blessings that we have. And we can hold on to those things and we can hoard them. We can fall more in love with all the stuff that we've got. And instead of, and instead of falling in love with those things, God, I pray that we fall more in love with the giver, the provider of those things. May we see you as the, that you are the one that sustains us. You are the one that gives to us. We should be thankful and grateful. And God, I know many of us, whether we've known it or not, we've gotten ourselves into financial trouble. May we step back from that. And may we, may we look at our finances in such a way where we say, okay, God, I want to be all in with every part of my life, especially when it comes to my finances and the things that I treasure. So may I look at my money the way that you look at my money, God. If there's new habits that I need to create or bad habits I need to break, will you convict me of those things? Because I want to be somebody who is generous. I want to be somebody who is impactful. I want to be somebody who is able to make a difference in this world. And God, you have a blueprint in your word, in your scripture for how we can live our lives. May we be submissive to that. May we be trusting in you. May we truly be all in with every part of our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.